All right, I was here about a month ago and uh, we had a wonderful time here with you guys and they invited us back, so that's great. And we are actually one of your um, new missionary families. We'll be going to Sri Lanka to do like Pastor mentioned. We will be doing some church planting work over there. But today I'm so happy to share the word of God with you this morning. My name is again Laminda Ubeyawansha, actually Pahala Ralalage Laminda Ubeyawansha. I know my kids are going to hate me one day for giving them that such a long name, but I think it might be helpful for them when they go to Sri Lanka one day, I don't know, you know. So anyways, um, I come from a country where there is like many different religions. It's a multi uh, religious country, you know, people from all kind of isms, <laughs> they practice their uh, religious beliefs there. But all these religions, you know, the, whatever the, the things that they have in the minds, it's many times is man-made. It's work-oriented. You know, the Hindus would call it karma, what goes around, will come around, so they work so hard to really earn some grace from their gods, so they just go and do things to others, in turn getting some mercies, merits, so they can finally maybe in somewhere better place in the next life cycle. And the Buddhist will call it middle path, so they would just try to balance things up in their day-to-day activities, they go to temple every uh, poor days to do some merits, so rituals and things, all these things to, to do so that they can finally be in that middle path 50-50, so we are not so too bad in God's or in their next state of mind, so there will be uh, another place for them. I think Buddhism is actually kind of a sect of Hinduism, I believe, because they still believe the karma aspect. And Islam, you know, you know, they just think like, you know, everything is a balanced scale, so you could do whatever the things you want to do in the name of Allah, and, you know, so they will have some sort of favor from their God, and they just do those kind of things, again, just to make some merit, so they, their bad deeds, you know, their good deeds would outweigh the bad deeds. So they just try to get in that middle path again. For me, growing up, I was kind of the same mentality, I guess. I grew up in a church, Anglican church I grew up. I would go to church every Sunday with my grandfather. Uh, you know, and just because they wanted to go, they just put, put on their Sunday best and they go to their mass every day and then they come home and they just criticize the preacher. <laughs> they just talk about this person and that person. I didn't really see that they tried to live godly life. So for me too, it's just all just a mental thing. I studied in my Sunday school about God. I, I knew about the Bible. I knew about the Bible, but I didn't find the God of the Bible when I was growing up. So it just... Uh, mental thing, but I, it, it didn't really connect with my heart. So all these things that I did even, I was actually an altar boy, serving the priest and visiting people. But then when 
when I was with my family or with my friends, I was totally different person. I was wearing masks for this person, this particular people group. I would wear some kind of mask that would please them. Then when I hang out with my friends, I was a different kind of person. My mom had no idea what I was doing in the town and things like that. And then when I was a teenager, I started a band with some people and I was just traveling and all kind of craziness started come with that. So I was living a separate life, really compartmentalizing my life uh, to fit in all those different sub-people groups. So many times people do that in their understanding the religion is something that you could just, you know, go and do something in the particular place and then you actually do your life separately. But this morning I just really want to talk to you a little bit from, from the Bible. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Um, before actually we go there, I would like to uh, bring your attention to chapter 11, verse 31. I'm going to talk a little bit about these three guys this morning. I think it's really important for us to check and uh, dig deep a little bit about these three guys because they really teach us some great lessons today. So let's read from uh, chapter 11, verse 31. Actually, from 27, but I'm going to only read a little bit here because I don't really have so much time to read all those things. But uh, 31 says, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So, when God called Terah, now I just need to give you a little bit of a, a background about this great family, Terah, the Abraham's father. I believe God called them after that great flood. You know, God wiped out this sinful na nation and he want to start a brand new start with this family. But I believe actually maybe God had uh, Terah in mind at first. I mean, of, of course, it's the whole family package. But he called him uh, from the place called Ur in Chaldeans to go to a place called Canaan. Now, these guys are nomads. They would just, you know, feed their animals and they just kind of like had a gypsy life going place to place. But I think it would be a little bit of a stretch if you were to say that he would start from Ur to go all the way to Haran and he had, a, had in mind when they started the journey, he had a destination and that would end up in Canaan. Now, I did a little bit of a research. It took, it will take about 600 miles from Ur to uh, Haran, and from there another 600 miles to Canaan. So it's like 1,200 miles. I don't think they were just wandering around their place. I think they had a destination when they started. But in the Bible, it says very clearly when they came to Haran, it was a nice place. It was pleasing to his eyes. So somehow 
Terah now thought that this is it. Oh, this is the place that we need to settle. Settle here. Because it was really nice. But one of the things that we don't really see about Terah in here, because it was a very small portion of scripture. But I did a little bit of a research. And some of the commentators actually uh, uh, show that this Terah, Abraham's dad, he was into moon god worship. So the people in this area, Haran, not only they had everything, green pasture, really nice water to drink, and a wonderful place to live, they were moon god, otherwise the earth worshippers. That is what I think really attracted Terah to really forget about this god and then focus on the creative stuff. He forgot about the creator, but now he's again attracted by the creation and wants to be settled with those guys over there. It was pleasing. It was a comfort zone for him just to settle there. You know, many times people get into sin. I think it's three different ways. It's very clear in the Bible. Pleasing of the eye, pleasing of the flesh, a pride of life. In other words, the ego. Egocentric ways of, of men. So I think when they came over there, he thought this is the place. But he knew that he still need to go another 600 miles or so to get into Canaan. But I'm going to settle here because I like this place. This is my comfort zone. I'm going to raise my people over here. But, you know, when God calls us, it is a journey that we all should take. But when you settle... Bible says, they came to the place and Terah settled there. I think the believers, when we walk in Christ in our journey, when we come to a place and we decide that we need to settle there, then there's some things going to happen. When we settle as Christians in our journey with God, in the spirit, spiritual life, we will be occupied with all kinds of other things. That's why I think, unlike all these other world religions I explained to you, these things are circle. This just comes, goes around, comes back, and it is a circle. But God had a beginning without story, and He's continued to unfold this story with you and I. You and I also have a huge part to play in this story. Our story matters. But our story with God is a linear story. There will be an end, then we will have time to really connect with our God. But these people just, it was a cycle for them. So he settled there, then occupied with all kinds of things, and he forgot about his God who called him. There's another guy we find in the story. If you read chapter 12, I don't really have time again to go through this, but I really encourage you guys to... Go home and read 12, even to up to chapter 18. It's a wonderful story. There's a new beginning of God's creation, God's plan. There was another guy in that scripture mentioned named Lot, Abram's nephew, Terah's grandson. He started with them too, very early, with grandpa and, and uncle, and they came down to Haran, and even from there, he moved forward with Abram. He didn't even settle over there. He thought, yeah, I need to actually, when we started in, in Ur, 
God called us to go to this place called Canaan. Our home should not be this one nice place in Haran. So I should continue with this guy. So he started with Abram actually. Started to go and you find the story and they, God blessed them abundantly with all kinds of animals and multiplication of all kinds of wealth. They even didn't have enough space to share that, their wealth. Excuse me, dear friends, I will tell you, when you follow God, God will bless you with, with multiplications of blessings, earthly blessings, all kind of good things. But what happened to Haran, uh, what happened to Lot was that when he focused on all, all his good and wealth and nice things, he kind of forgot his priority. Then Abram said, okay, you take this, this part and go to wherever you please. But I think if I were Lot, then I wouldn't just, just go random ways. Even though maybe I wouldn't take like 75 north or whatever, I would take some other route to get up to the destination because they had a destination in mind when they started. But we can see clearly in the Bible, he started to go to the other direction and he camped or went all the way to the city called Sodom. Have you ever heard about the Sodom city, Sodom and Gomorrah? These guys were really the terrible people. These guys were like, their sin was exceed, exceedingly dangerous. These people would be like modern day sin city of Amsterdam or, or Las Vegas or ten times more than that. But this godly man who was following the will of God decided to go and be neighbor of those guys. He attracted to those physical pleasures there. They were doing some crazy things. So he forgot his priority and gave into the temptation. When you really flirt, starting to flirt with sin, sometimes you give in. I recently heard on radio, be confident about your... Uh, let me just read it right there. Do not underestimate about your future, but do not overestimate about your present. So sometimes you might think, like I got everything figured out, you know. I can be over there, I can be over here, I can be talking to all these people. Yes, God called us. Jesus wants us to go out and be there with the sinners, be there with the people who are struggling. But he also wants us to connect vertically with God every time. You can't just go there and just adapt their lifestyle and just be like them. Remember in the Romans 12, I think it was 12 too, that Paul was encouraging us to, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. How do we renew our mind? It is by connecting with Christ. But the problem was lost. I think that he found was that he gave into the temptation and connected with them. And you can read at, at the end, his end was a terrible ending. He was he lost everything. He lost his descendants. He was the only one remain at the end, and he was in a cave going crazy. Uh, so his two daughters decided, like, okay, my dad is dying, so we need to continue our. Uh, our generation, so let's just uh, 
make some babies with him. So they, he did that, that kind of crazy thing. And these two Amorites and Moabites uh, came from that two daughters, ultimately becomes the arch enemies of Israelites. These, you know, these cousins becomes that kind of crazy people. So when we don't have, figure, when we don't really know what is my priority in God, we can, you know, pull into all kind of directions. So I really want to encourage you guys today, especially as, as, a, as a father, you know, if I could speak to uh, a man here in this room, a father especially, and, you know, it is very difficult sometimes when you have a family, you're trying to feed them, you're trying to be a dad, and you're listening to all kinds of, you know, media trying to feed you with all kinds of role models. You have to be this way, you have to have this thing, you have to be this way. If you're just listening to those things, and if you just come here only on Sunday morning, maybe to get uh, a little bit of, a, of an energy, and during the week, if you don't really connect with Christ, it is so difficult. I can tell you my own experience, so difficult to really keep in touch with God. So I encourage my brothers here, fathers, fix and fix your eyes in God. Give priority to God. When you give priority to God, your vertical relationship, your horizontal relationship will all fall into places. Many times I see, many times fathers try to, you know, do everything and, you know, try to provide. And they say, I do everything for my family, but they never really spend time with their kids. My own family, my, uh, uh, my, my, my sister's husband, he works in uh, a different country for 10 years. He thinks uh, taking care of his family means to provide, send money. And he's been working for 10 years, visiting only like one or two months every two years. So that's not really being there for them. So this morning, I think it is our responsibility First of all, to connect with God in personal level. So I just want you to encourage, I just want to encourage you to keep your eyes fixed in God's in this crooked world that can come with all kinds of temptations to take your priority away from you. But now I just want to draw your attention to this one man who actually finished the journey. Named Abraham, who became Abraham, the father of faith. We call him because he was the only one who kept going. He kept pushing it. Even though his dad stopped somewhere and his partner, then the lot, his nephew, he also went somewhere else. But he was, you know, he was going to that destination. You know, when he get into Canaan finally, you might think like people make him and just like celebrated and a grand entry. No, he just went there and there was the Canaanites already occupying the land. He had to go there and rent a place to put his tent. But it's a beautiful thing you find in, in, in the word. What he did was when he went to the land already occupied, you know, he did something sweet. He built an altar and make a sacrifice to God as a tradition you see in the Bible God's people do many times when they worship the Lord. 
That means by faith, he received the place. By faith, he knew that God is going to give me this place. God is, has given me, me a purpose. He has given me this place to occupy my people. You know, in chapter 13, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, 2, 3, if you read, it says that you will have a place, you will have a people group, you will have a purpose, now you will have all this. But when he get there, he didn't have all this. But he knew that God is going to take care of all these things. Dear brothers and sisters over here, Today when you think about your life, you walk in life, you might not really think, you know, all the things that, you know, come into place in your life and you just continue to push it. But sometimes you just, you know, have doubts. Sometimes you have struggles. Sometimes you have difficulties. How can I get there? You know, especially as dads, sometimes, you know, I really want my family to be in this place, but I don't know how I get there. But I want to encourage you. Faith is not something you just see in your eyes, physical eyes. Faith is something that you see with your faith, with the things that you can see in your physical eyes. Trust in the Lord. God will bring you to the place and beyond when you trust in the Lord. When God called me and my wife to go to Sri Lanka... (laughs) You know, it's been a too long year uh, process of raising funds. And there were so many doubts sometimes, and I had to work part-time, take care of my family, and raise funds. And I'm just a random guy from Sri Lanka, and my wife doesn't really have a big church background, uh, a Christian church background. So we don't really know so many people. I've been calling like 200 different churches, only to get six people to respond. Thank you guys for believing in us. You guys are one of those people. And, you know, sometimes it's really tough. You know, we doubt it like sometimes, you know, is this the time that we should go to Sri Lanka? Maybe this is not the God's timing. And then it doesn't really help one of my friends who works for World Poverty Solution, uh, who's going to do some great work teaching uh, uh, community health evangelism. He offered me a job a salary job. <laughs> that was some, some sort of temptation right there. Then we had to sit down and pray, you know. But God was still saying no. He was reminding me about Abraham actually, you know. I have a destination for you. Just get there. You will get there in time, in my time. So it is time now for us. Finally, God has blessed us with all the things and we are fully funded. So we will be going to Sri Lanka next month. With your support. Hallelujah. God is going to do something great. I know when I get to Sri Lanka, I don't think anybody is going to come and celebrate. Hey, you guys came. Let's start work. It will be tough. I understand that. But I I believe with all my heart, right now, the Protestant Christianity, Christians in Sri Lanka is less than 1%. But I believe in my lifetime, that can go up to 20%. Or even more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's just when you think about Paul Yongicho, the pastor, South Korean pastor, he got the biggest church in the world now. When he started, it was like less than 1% in South Korea about 40 years ago. Some of me, guys, you guys might know this. You know, but he prayed. But right now it's about 38 or 45% Christians in his lifetime. 
the movement started with him and i believe god can start that movement with just a simple people like me and denise <laughs> just you know believing in christ he can use ordinary people like you and i to do something extraordinary if you believe in christ amen i challenge you guys i challenge you all of the men here again don't quit easily trust in the lord believe in the lord that he will take you to the destination he will take you where where he promised you to be and the things that he promised you to do trust in the lord he is bigger than our dreams he is bigger than whatever we desire you know if you follow the lord the bible says if you follow the uh, the righteousness and his will and everything will be added to your life don't just worry about the materialistic goods the things of this world focus on the lord he is going to bless you thank you god for this opportunity for this time to share with you guys and i believe with these three men that explains in the bible only people only men that i will we remember today is abraham because he completed the task he was faithful to god's will you know one thing i think god is uh expecting now one some one somebody can ask like okay how did god ever call abraham a righteous one because mosaic law was never introduced to him <laughs> you know to 400 years later came the mosaic law so without a law a law system like any other religions in the world how could anybody measure him up what's the measuring point but you could see it is the circumcision of his heart it is a faith that he had therefore god called him the father of faith so god is seeking to have people with the right attitude with that kind of commitment to god so one thing is god is expecting from us is to, is to be obedient to his will and to be consistent in it let's pray lord we thank you so much for this wonderful morning i thank you god for your love for your grace for your mercy we thank you lord you speak to us through these people through these three men we learn that you want us to be consistent in our relationship with you to trust you and believe in you the things that you're going to do in us lord every single person in this room especially the men that i pray today will have that leadership the innate leadership ability that you have given them that they would use that to lead their family to glorify you in their own communities on families in their own country and beyond lord i pray that you would give them the wisdom to lead their families give them the wisdom to be connected with uh, with you lord every single day of their lives many things are feeding to us all kind of voices come to our minds lord the media is feeding so many different things you know the papers the the people around us and sometimes even our own voice lord speak to us negatively about us it's a negatively driven world that we live in but i pray god that you would anoint 
these men over here and just give them the clear vision so that they can follow you in that path. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.